essentially, sorry, I've managed to get Siri talking to me for some reason. Um, does that mean that Siri is the new Garrett? So I don't think we can do that. Garrett is irreplaceable. Welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Bayern Munich are still top of the Bundesliga table after drawing nil-nil with second-placed RB Leipzig today in a game that the Bavarians really should have won. Hansi Flick's side also secured a spot in the DFB Pokal quarterfinals where they will face Schalke after narrowly beating Hoffenheim 4-3 midweek. Finally, the transfer window may not be open for several months still, but that hasn't stopped many sources from claiming to have the inside scoop on Bayern's supposed summer plans. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about all of that with my friends Tim Richards. Hello there. And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Yeah, so about an hour ago, Bayern Munich wrapped up their game uh, against RB Leipzig. A very exciting, very entertaining game if it didn't have all the goals uh, of yesterday's exciting match between Leverkusen and Dortmund. Uh, and it ended nil-nil. And, and Tim, I know you just got back to your hotel in Munich from the match uh, at the very beginning, the way the game started out, it seemed like Bayern was really just going to run ragged over this Leipzig side. Um, so what happened to pull uh, the Red Bulls back into this match? Did Bayern take their foot off the gas a little bit, or was it uh, just some some resilience from Julian Nagelsmann's side? It's probably a bit of both, I think. Um, so I was also at the Hoffenheim game. I am an international jet setter, after all. Um, and it was kind of the same thing of really, really positive start. So I, I said to my dad, um, after about 10, 15 minutes today, if Bayern get one goal, it's over. Like, it's like they will just keep on going. And it's kind of the same thing that I thought was going to happen earlier this week, where it really does just seem like at times they think, oh, we've kind of done enough. Um, but I, I think that's like that somewhat discredits uh, Nagelsmann and the way that he lined his team up. Um, I think like Leipzig have got some fantastic players. I'm sure that we we would happily accept some of them into the Bayern team. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a mixture of Bayern. In, in my eyes, it seemed like Bayern kind of thought they had, that they had done enough, um, but also combined with Leipzig being really, really strong defensively. Um, yeah, it's it's a shame. Um, it is a shame, but I do think it is certainly both of what you suggested. Well, uh, Hansi Flick fielded probably what we would say is the strongest Bayern lineup on form. Uh, you maybe could have put Ivan Perisic back in. Uh, Sebastian, do you think that that was the right call, or do you think that uh, there could have been some more changes made to the lineup heading into this match? Uh, well, I guess there were a handful of changes if we compare it to the Hoffenheim game. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty much uh, the lineup I was expecting. And I really had, I guess, no no criticisms about this lineup. I mean, it, it would have been interesting to finally um, see another option at right back. Uh, of course, Alvaro Sola would have been interesting. But it, I didn't really see that coming. I didn't really expect that. And I even don't I don't even know if I would would have uh yeah dared to try that in this match because Pavard certainly was uh, the safer option here and I think he uh, played quite well so uh, really no complaints from my side uh, uh, concerning the lineup 
But I think uh, tactically, it was a very different game compared to the Hoffenheim game, especially on offense. Mm, and I'm not sure if I was uh, so happy about that part, because I think the Hoffenheim game offensively uh, was very great for, uh, well, two-thirds of the game, roughly. And I think we took a few steps back in that department in this game. And yeah, I'm, I'm not totally happy about that, I guess. Well, looking at that Hoffenheim game, we can uh, kind of go over that one really quickly. Um, Bayern absolutely dominated that first half and took that dominance a little bit into the second uh, and then really almost let Hoffenheim come back. Um, Tim, you were there, and you've already touched on this a little bit. Should that game, do you think that should be a big warning sign um, for Bayern that, that they can't go into games like that, get get up ahead like they um, so often do, and then just kind of take their foot off the gas, that they still have to um, show that that determination, that dominance that they were showing against teams uh, like Schalke earlier this season? Absolutely. And in my eyes, it's the thing that separates the team that wins the Champions League to the team that goes far in the Champions League. Um, I, I don't know if you saw it, almost definitely did, because it was quite a big story. It came out earlier this week. Um, I think it was Karl-Heinz Rummenigge said that once Bayern had wrapped up the league a couple of seasons ago, uh, Pep Guardiola genuinely wanted to field Manuel Neuer in midfield. But as hilarious as that may be, whether it's truthful or not, that remains to be seen. But it's that sort of complacency um, that's been so prevalent at Bayern, not just this season or the season before, but for such a long time. Um yeah, it's kind of a, a somewhat of an unpopular opinion, but one that I think that I can try and, and justify. The like, if you look at the 2012 final, the 2012 Champions League final, where Bayern had like a strong, like a really strong side. Okay, they were missing Alaba and maybe like one or two other players. They were going up a really, really, like they were going up against a really, really weak Chelsea team that had to play like debutants at their in their first ever Champions League game for Chelsea and they kind of went into it thinking we've already done this like this is a home game we're playing against young guys we're playing against old guys like this is this is going to be nothing and everything everybody knows how that game went and then the following season Bayern played every single game in the shadow of that and I don't know if it means that Bayern need to have that sort of wake-up call again and again and again and like every single time we get a little bit complacent and every time we take our foot off the pedal because we think that we've done enough. But it really does seem like there seems to be this very bizarre mentality that you, you don't get it in everybody. You see it in guys like Manuel Neuer and Kimmich and, and Muller, like the leaders of, of the team. But there are just some players that just seem to just to switch off when they think, yeah, we've, we've, we've done this already. And it's, it's not good at all. Um, and I, it will always remind me of that Kovac quote that I think is always going to to play a part in that Bayern can go 200 miles an hour, but they can't do it for an hour, if that makes sense. Um, or they can't do it for 90 minutes. Um, that's like the worst butchering of that statement <laughs> that I, that I could possibly do. But like, do you, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like, what Niko Kovac said does have an element of truth to it. He was wrong for saying it because this, like, if he was a pundit and said it, okay, cool. But the fact that he said it as a manager, I really do think that he's got a point, which is a huge shame and a very dangerous position to be in. But, and 
Um, I think you're spot on. You know, Kovac said that, and and obviously he's going to know the team as well as anyone else uh, in the position of a head coach. And I guess what's like the most disappointing about all of this is that it's a problem that's been at Bayern uh, for for quite a while, for several seasons now. Um, and it kind of seemed like with Hansi Flick, maybe we found someone who could really help eliminate that. Uh, and so we're starting to see those signs of it creeping back in of that, you know, once we get ahead, oh, we'll just take our foot off the gas and let whatever happens, happens. And um, it almost, I don't want to you know, be too dramatic because I don't think the Hoffenheim game was ever truly in danger, uh, but it got a lot closer than it probably should have. Uh, so it's definitely disappointing to see that we're still seeing those signs under Hansi Flick and hopefully something that um, he'll have his eye on and, and, and hope to be fixing. Uh, Sebastian, your guy, Cornelton Tadliso, got his minutes midweek. He finally got to start a game uh, and was back on the bench today against Leipzig. Uh, Hansi Flick went in favor of Leon Goretzka, Thiago, um, playing alongside Joshua Kimmich. How do you think they did today? How how well do you think Cornelton Tadliso argued for his spot in the starting lineup? And with those Chelsea games, those big Champions League uh, games looming on the horizon, uh, you still think that the the midfield trio we saw today is um, the one we should continue to stick with in the big matches? That's a very interesting question because I think it is quite tough uh, to compare those performances, um, by which I mean Toliso's performance midweek and Thiago's performance today, because... They were so different, uh, those two games in terms of, of offense, uh, that, yeah, that, that makes it really hard to, to find a fair way to compare them. Mm. Uh, we talked about that, uh, uh, via, via our Slack. And it was very interesting how, uh, midweek, it was really like a 4-2-4 lineup, even nearly with Lewandowski often uh, being being very deep and uh, coming from further back and Müller uh, at times was kind of a striker and they w- were uh, well interpreting the roles way more flexibly th- than they usually do and then they did today which of course also means that uh, the central midfield in that game uh, against Hoffenheim had a very different role than they had today they needed to well they need to play quite conservative and very defensive, uh, keep everything under control while the offense was just kind of running wild uh, very effectively. Uh, in comparison, today, uh, Thiago, again, w- was very much involved in off- on the offense. And, yeah, he was not, often not far behind Goretzka. So it was a very, very different role compared to what, what Tolisso did uh, midweek. I think both did a good job. Uh, I, I would say no, no complaints uh, concerning Thiago today again, which is quite positive. He, he at times he was a bit uh, further back than I would have liked. Sometimes he was in that number six position again, but never in a problematic way really. So I was really happy with Thiago today. I, I cannot criticize him, uh, <laughs> even if I uh, have done that. Uh, Quite, uh, quite often uh, on this podcast, but really no complaints there. But on the other hand, also uh, no complaints uh, concerning Tuliso midweek. And I think it's really hard to, to compare them fairly. I think um, you are probably sticking with uh, Thiago and Goretzka for now. But uh, I really think uh, Tuliso just deserves his chances. And yeah, I think we should yeah find out which kind of offense is, is going to be the way we're trying to do this. 
how are we pl- going to play offense going forward? I think that's going uh, well. That that might be the the actual factor that decides who is the better central midfielder for us, because I think I would li- I would like to say uh, I would like to see uh, both of those players playing kind of the same role, playing the role we need our central midfielders uh, to play, because then we can have a fair comparison and then we can see uh, who's be- the better player for that spot. And of course, Goretzka, I think uh, that that's yeah. He he's kind of the starter right now on on the number ten position. I think, um, I think that's only going to change if Müller moves back into the middle again. But for that, we need two winger wingers that are well good enough that we think, uh, yeah, they are better than Müller on the outside, or at least uh, putting uh, putting all of that together, we have a better offense with Müller in the middle and two other wingers around which I'm not seeing right now. But yeah, maybe that's going to happen in the future. Maybe not soon enough for the Chelsea games. Yeah, I think that, uh, I think given Tolisso more playing time would be totally fair and totally warranted because I thought he was pretty good midweek. On the flip side, though, I thought that midfield was really solid today. Um, Leon Goretzka put himself in some great positions. He had a chance to give Bayern uh, what would have been a win. And Peter Galashi made a great save on his finish. Had that shot gone in, I think we'd be having a much different conversation um, right now. But I think you bring up a great point about Muller coming back centrally, uh, and I do think we might be seeing that soon now that Kingsley Coman is back um, from injury. Obviously, it's going to take him a while to get back up to form or at least you know get, back, get into form because he never really found much form earlier this season. Uh, so that's something definitely interesting to keep your eye on because I think we'd all be in agreement that even though Muller is fantastic out wide, uh, he's even that much better playing behind Robert Lewandowski or uh, even alongside Robert Lewandowski, kind of like he was against Hoffenheim earlier this week. Uh, but let's go and talk about the the defense right now. Um, Tim, I have two questions for you. Uh, number one, Alfonso Davies just looks like five steps faster than everyone on the field on TV whenever he plays. So first, uh, is that does that hold true in real life? Does he look that much faster than everybody? And then second, um, why don't you talk about Lucas Hernandez playing alongside David Oliva uh, because he made his return from injury today, replacing Jerome Boateng. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Davies is very quick. I thought so. He is. He's like, have, I've seen, oh man, I've seen some very fast players. I've seen Ronaldo in his prime. I've seen Robin and Ribery in their prime. This guy is outrageously fast. So much so that any defensive lapse that he has, he gets a second chance instantly because he'll get up. Like if he's down, he'll get up, and already he's in front of his in front of his opponent. It's honestly terrifying. Like the only person that I think would come maybe close to his speed, actually, uh, okay, maybe not, but Adama Traore at Wolves. I think if if they were to race, it would be it would be very close. And Adama Traore is a personal hero of mine. Um, so, like, that's, that is huge <laughs> praise coming from me. Um, he's fantastic. Absolutely love Davies. I can talk about him for an hour if I, um, if I wanted to. But that's not why we're here. And we're here to talk about everybody else. Um, I'm really, really happy to see uh, Lucas Hernandez back. Um, I'm even happier to see that he doesn't look like he's missed any time at all. He just slotted in and made some great passes, was really mobile, which is always good to see because obviously he's had two quite major injuries um, 
in a year. Uh, so yeah, seeing seeing him be able to move so freely um, and and read the game and work well with the players around him, I think that's fantastic. Um, I wouldn't have picked him to play with Alaba in the middle. Um, I I personally wouldn't have taken off Boateng. I thought Boateng this is another really good performance from him. He made some great tackles. He was uh, he he did his best to keep up with with their front line. Obviously, Leipzig's front line is as fast as they come. But I think he did really really well to um, like considering he's not as as agile as he once was. He did a pretty good job. I wouldn't have taken him off. I think um, Benjamin Pavard was the was the player to take off. If you take him off, you can put. Uh, Audrey Zola and at right back give him some time um, I kind of noticed that when you have uh, somebody like Alaba Hernandez and, and Davies kind of all in the same uh, all in the same back line it really does dictate where play goes because all of them all of them are left footed and okay you could probably have this exact same problem with the right footed players um, but all of them are quite predominantly left footed uh, so when we had defenders like Mats Hummels, he would always be able to use his right foot as a left foot. Like he'd have that Alston wrist, as, as he liked to call it. So when you have three players that are all quite heavily left footed, it really does make it easy for a front line to, um, to press like really intensely. So like if, if that front line was to face up against a team like Liverpool, who were going to play a similar style to Leipzig, but you know, just at a, a significantly higher level, that is quite a dangerous position to be in. Um, outside of that, really happy to see Hernandez back and and healthy. Like he's, I think he's the sort of player that fans are going to really, really warm to uh, very quickly. And he seems to have warmed to the club as well. So it's great to see. I, you're, you're spot on about the whole left-footedness. And it's, I guess, not a huge deal because most teams in the world play with a back line that has three right-footers and, and one left-footer. It's just weird to see it um, be the opposite. I would argue that what they make up for, or what they lack, sorry, in a, in a right foot, they more than make up for with their pace because you pointed it out earlier. Lucas Hernandez has just come back from a huge injury, and he was still looking incredibly quick and sprite, uh, agile on the pitch. Um, obviously David Oliver's fast and then Alfonso Davies you just talked about his speed confirmed that he is uh, the flash um, but yeah it's definitely interesting and it, it's made even more interesting by the fact that Jerome Boateng has had this sort of uh, renaissance since the start of the new year um, Sebastian you already kind of talked about the midfield uh, selection choices that Hansi Flick has ahead of him uh, how do you kind of solve this issue that this I say issue it's kind of a good problem for Bayern to have of who should be starting at center back because we paid 80 million euros to get Lucas Hernandez into this side. He's not a player that we're just going to sit on the bench. Um, but at the same time, it'd be a shame to just take Alfonso Davies uh, out, off the pitch at left back because he's been absolutely incredible. Um, and it's not totally fair to mm-hmm. Jerome Boateng either for him to go sit on the bench after playing so many solid games. So uh, what happens there? Yeah, all of that is true. And yeah, there are a lot of good options right now. I guess some of it might, might come down to who the opposition is, because I think in, yeah, in some cases, in some situations, you might really not want to have that left footed problem. And, and also, and also you might want a, a taller center back at times, I suppose, because with Alaba and Hernandez, 
if you have a have a, a uh, striker on on the other side or many players also on the other side who are very good at uh, at high balls very dangerous headers and then yeah that that might be a problem with two players who are rather on the short side i guess i mean uh, who am i to say such a thing i'm like uh, 166 i don't know what that is in feet and inches so anyway uh, but yeah, it's for 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 centre backs that's not exactly tall. So I guess it might be a situational choice. Uh, on the other hand, I think um, yeah, Davies and Alaba are the guys you really don't want to take off right now. Uh, Davies, I think, could have been the man of the match. He looked very very strong today, especially in the first half. Um, I especially remember. I think I think it was actually even against Timo Werner where he where he was like two and a half steps behind. And then he just overtook him and got the ball. And that was ridiculous. I mean, Timo Werner is a very, very fast player to begin with. So that was was really crazy to see. And I think, mm, well, after after Davies wasn't as strong as he was uh, for parts of this game, I think for me, Alaba is uh, the player the player of the match because he was really great today. He had so many situations where, where he saved, saved us from... Uh, Quite good chances by, by by Leipzig. So, yeah, you don't really want to take any of those two players off. And I think with Alaba, I, I think he's right now he's really better as a centre back than he is as a left back. So mm-hmm. you would really you would really lose in two ways. You would first you would lose Davies, uh, Davies skills, Davies quickness, and so on. And on the other hand, you would yeah use uh, you would lose Alaba. As, as as the leader as as the main guy of, of your of your defense, so I think those two they have to play right now. And the other thing is probably a situational decision. And I guess the same applies to to Pavard on the, on the right side, because yeah, sometimes you maybe want yeah that Pavard a guy like Pavard who is a, a bit more of a center back type. And sometimes you would probably go for Adrio Sola. Well, we haven't seen any of that, but yeah, I think probably all situational decisions for me. Yeah, I think you're spot on with so much that you just said. Um, first of all, I do think Alfonso Davies and David Alaba in the positions that they're playing now are pretty much undroppable. I mean, David Alaba's been probably our best center back this season. Um, Davies has just been sensational at left back, so both of them need to be starting. Uh, so in my opinion, it comes down to the right center back and right back positions as to... Um, you know, who's going to start what game. And I think you're right that it's going to end up being situational a lot of times. You know, who are we playing? What's the opponent? Um, if they have this, you know, big target man who's going to put in headers, but he's not exactly fast, then, you know, maybe we put in Jerome Boateng. And if we're fa- facing faster guys, maybe Hernandez is the option. Uh, hopefully, we don't get back to a point where our, our selection is dictated by injuries. But for now, it is nice to have um, those choices. You talked about man of the match. I would agree um, from Byron's perspective that it's probably David Alaba. Uh, but overall, I think it would have to go to RB Leipzig defender Deo Upamecano, uh, which provides us a pretty good transition to talk about that player because according to various outlets, he's a guy that Byron are hoping to bring in uh, this upcoming summer. They're wanting to buy him from RB Leipzig, make him part of the team. Um, some people even suggest Byron have open talks with the club and the player uh, to get him in this summer. Tim, what would you make uh, of that move? Um, Would you see that kind of as Bayern's way of uh, transitioning Jerome Boateng out of the club? Um, 
also like in light of the Lucas Hernandez deal, uh, what do you think that, how do you think this would work for Bayern and, and would he be a good option? Yeah, I, I was a, I was hugely impressed with how Meccano played today. I've, I remember the first time I ever saw him play, I was kind of astounded at just like the, the ability that he had to, to read a game and pick out a pass and tackle. And then I was terrified at the fact that he was only 19. Um, this guy is still incredibly young, but still very, very good and just showing signs of immense potential and the ability to just grow and grow and grow. So if he can, if he can leave Leipzig to join Bayern, that would be, that would be fantastic news. Um, he had a couple of like really, really good, quite noteworthy moments today. Um, like one thing in particular that really stands out is just how quick he is. Um, he managed to pick the ball up from the like the middle centre back position and kind of take it all the way down the wing and get Leipzig into a really dangerous position. Um, and I, I like that's the sort of thing that I can remember seeing Jerome Boateng do once or twice. Um, so I think it's fairly safe to say that Boateng is on his way out of the club. Uh, this coming season, uh, this coming transfer window. So if we can replace him with somebody like Upamecano, that's a that's a centre back that will be able to play for Bayern for like ten years. Um, so it's it's really great to see that you know if if the rumours of him going to Bayern are true, then Bayern are really thinking about building something sustainable. Um, it's it's exciting, and I think I'm. I think I could probably speak for everybody when I say that I'm all for uh, his signature. It would also add another uh, French defender into the ranks. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, another player who has been on Bayern's radar, apparently, and that Bayern even tried to sign in January, according to various sources, is young American Serginho Dest. I don't know if we've ever mentioned him on the podcast before, but that is definitely a player that we've talked about a lot, um, just amongst ourselves, especially obviously Garrett and I. Um, but you know, months back, whenever Bayern or we were heading into the winter window and Bayern were in need of a right back, that's someone that we brought up that we suggested. Um, Sebastian, he's a young guy. He's got a lot of talent, but a lot of room to grow. Uh, do you think that would be a good deal for Bayern in the summer? Um, and then, you know, how do you interpret their failure to sign him in the winter? Is it a good thing that they went for that move or is it kind of not so great that it didn't work out and then we got a loan loan deal instead? How good this deal is, of course, somewhat depends on the price that, that uh, they might actually agree on in the end. But yeah, I think that's definitely a good idea. And I, I'm, I'm quite hopeful that this still goes through. Mm, so I'm not too sad that it didn't work out in the winter. I mean, we, we probably can wait for that. We, especially now that we have Odrio Sola in place, we are not really losing much apart from, I guess, uh, some, uh, a little bit of money uh, on that, on that loan fee. But I think that that's all that we are losing here. So that's, I guess, not a huge problem. He's the kind of player uh, I had have been arguing for all along, I guess, without... I mean, I, I didn't have him in mind specifically, but I think I and many of us have always been talking about a younger guy with, with a lot of potential and kind of a mid-range transfer in, in terms of money and, and so on. So he's also, yeah, definitely a quicker guy, a smaller guy, an actual right-back, not so, not not so much a converted center back 
so he really f- completely fits that profile. We have we have been uh, arguing for all along, and I'm really happy that we see that. Yeah, yeah. Bayern also sees that, and they they see that this is a good idea, and we need players like this. I guess uh, I w- I would hope uh, we still get more fullbacks. I guess depending on yeah how, how th- this all shapes up in the end because we have been talking about uh, the situation around Pavar and Alaba and, and Hernandez. So it's largely unclear who's going to end up being a regular uh, a regular, uh, fit, uh, regular player at centre-back and who's going to be uh, playing, playing full-back in, in a kind of regular fashion. So I guess, yeah, we will have to wait how that ends up exactly. But yeah, right-back is definitely a position where, where we could use a player or two more. So definitely get that guy, and, and I'll be very happy with that. No complaints. That That's a very good idea. One of the uh, TZ reporters even suggested that, or even claimed, sorry, that Dest was at the game on Wednesday against Hoffenheim. I mean, if, if that's the case, then you have to assume that um, a deal may not be completed, but is definitely in the works, and that he's definitely a player that Bayern are um, 100% interested in and 100% wanting to bring in. I think... As far as the uh, the fullback depth um, topic that you brought up, if Uba Makano is brought in, and, and obviously this is all so still speculative and several, several months away from even being a uh, possibility, but if Uba Makano is brought in alongside Dest, I do think that would give us plenty of um, depth in defense. We'd have Pavard who can pay, play center back or right back, and then Dest who can play right back as well. Um, I think there's a fine line between having good depth and then having too many players to where you can't um, give a young guy like Des the chance he needs to grow. Um, so I'd hate to see that. But um, yeah, exciting times that Byron are looking for um, players. One name that's also been on Byron's mind for a long time, undoubtedly, is Kai Havertz, who has struggled seriously with Bayer Leverkusen um, this season, despite his excellent season last year. Uh, Tim, a lot of sources are saying that Byron are going kind of cold on the player, um, given his sort of disappointing season. What do you think? How do you think Bayern should be approaching this situation? Should Kai Havertz still be on the radar? Um, maybe Bayern has to monitor him a little bit more, see how he finishes off the season. Or do you think that he's still someone they should be in hot pursuit of, um, given that he's shown his talent so often in the past? I think Bayern are going to be looking at Kai Havertz in the same way that they they look at Mario Goetze. Um, this guy is obviously immensely talented, Um like, okay, stats don't really say the whole story, but his stats are hugely impressive. 28 goals already in, or well, 28 league goals, and he's only, well, he's still 20 years old. Um, it is quite early days, I think. Um, like, as great a season as he had last year, and, and also he did quite well the year before that, like when he was like really coming through as a first team regular it has kind of become apparent that maybe that was actually, that's kind of unfair to say, but I think it's, I don't think it's unfair to say that so far those two years are clearly some form of anomaly. He's obviously immensely gifted and is the sort of player that Bayern should be looking at. But I think the rumors of it being what 110 million euros or like a hundred million euros, that is ridiculous money. Because even so, the the Mario Goetze transfer happened 
what, seven years ago, I think, like seven or eight years ago, the market's changed a lot, but it hasn't changed that much. And I think Goethe back then was tipped to be the big thing that was coming out of football. Like he was kind of second only to Neymar in various lists of like top 10 wonder kids to watch. And like he was, well, Sebastian, I'm sure that you can confirm this, but he wasn't he wasn't so much like likened to Messi, which is like kind of an empty comparison. Like, I think anybody can be compared to Messi, but he was compared to Sebastian Deisler, which I think is is even bigger praise because it's like it means that you've kind of actually seen him, and like it's it almost seems more genuine if you can bring Deisler's name into it. So for those that don't know, Sebastian Deisler was kind of. Germany's answer to David Beckham in so much as he had the same sort of passing range, the ability to to just pick out anybody on the pitch at anywhere. Um, but his career was sadly cut short due to a number of injuries and also his mental health. Um, it's very sad. But the fact that Goetz's um, like trajectory was likened to that, only for it to fall quite short. Like I liked Goetz at Bayern, but he didn't he didn't live up to the hype. He still did fine, but the hype was huge. I do think Bayern were gonna, are going to be looking at Kai Havertz now with that, with the sort of reluctance to say, we have got this wrong before. Even recently with guys like Renato Sanchez, like this is a guy that's going to become the next big box-to-box midfielder. Ah, hasn't really worked out there. Um, I think he's the sort of player that Bayern should be looking at, but also... If it is like it's a hundred million or nothing, that money could be spent better somewhere else. I guess if you look at the flip side, um, Byron don't want to take the risk, you know, of missing out on Kai Havertz just for him to become the next uh, Kevin De Bruyne, if you will. Um, obviously, he's not reached the same level that he has in years past this season. I think personally, I think some of that has to do with the fact that the Leverkusen team is so different. Um, he doesn't have Julian Brandt playing alongside him anymore, and I think that that has been a lot more impactful than uh, a lot of people would have thought. Um, and I think that gives a lot of credit to Julian Brandt um, for how good a player he is. Uh, obviously, he's been underrated for some time now, and I think this just adds to that argument. Uh, I don't know if I'd go so far as to, and I, I know this isn't exactly what you did, but to draw the parallel with Mario Goza. But there certainly is every bit of a chance that he becomes the next kind of Mario Goza. Um, has this huge career ahead of him. Um, you know, he's obviously dubbed to be Germany's next big thing. And he could be falling off very quickly. Uh, Sebastian, be interested to hear your um, your thoughts on Havertz. Yeah, f- first and foremost, I think um, we are not really talking about 100 million. I think the, the talk has been 130 million recently. So, which is yeah, outrageous. That, yeah, that's <laughs> so that, even that, worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So I just wanted to put put that out there before I uh, talk about the rest. Um, there has always been that comparison. Uh, oh God, now I forget his name. To the guy, uh, the Portuguese guy, João Felix. Yeah, yeah, João Felix. Uh, exactly. Yeah. There's always there has been this uh, comparison to João Felix out there. Uh, that okay, if he's worth that much, of course Harvards is also worth that much. Mm. So th- that's what we're looking at here, and I think that's really my 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 main concern here. 
I have always been critical of, of Mario Götze. I was never a fan of him. I was especially never a fan of him coming to Bayern. The time when he and Lewandowski were both here was, I guess, <laughs> my worst time as a Bayern fan in my life. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> never was a fan of him. So he, I never bought into the Götze hype. I definitely bought into the Harvard's hype, I guess. Let's put it like this. Yes, it's really hard to to find uh, good reasons here because it mainly comes down to gut feeling, I guess. Goods always seemed so lethargic, I guess. Mm -hmm. He, I, I don't know. He, he he radiated a certain certain kind of attitude that that I never liked in a football player. He was never a a leader. He was never someone who controlled the game he just did his little things here and there and somehow it worked i also never liked him at at, at the national team i think it that's the one i mean of course he scored that very very important goal i think we all we all know what i'm talking about in the uh, in the world cup final that little thing yeah of course uh, i cannot just uh, forget about that But other than that, he was never really great in, uh, in the national team either. Yeah, he's just never, never struck me as the kind of player that, that I would want at Bayern. Mostly due to mentality. It often comes down to mentality for me, I guess. And I have little doubt that Havertz has the mentality I'm looking for in a Bayern player. And he's just, I guess, more special in a way. Götze was very good at, at what he did for, for a while, but I think Havertz is just a different kind of player. That's that's what makes him even more interesting. I, I think it's really hard to compare him to any other player because he's 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 really a different kind of mix that that I have never really seen before. I guess so. It's really hard to decide here because that 130 million that's really just outrageous, as you said. So I I would say I would really love to have that guy at Bayern. I'm not sure if I if I. I think at 130 million, he's the absolute number one guy we need because the gold standard here is team of earner for like 50 or 60. So that's two team of earners. Hmm. I'd rather have two team of earners. I totally sympathize with your views on Goza. I was never, never a, a Goza fan, um, even to the point when, you know, Germany won the World Cup as a Germany fan. I was very excited, but there was always that slight voice in the back of my head. It was like, Did it really have to be Goza? Like, especially after all the hard work Thomas Muller put into uh, the World Cups. Anyway, that's a little bit off topic. Um, I do agree. I think Havertz has got a slightly different mentality, and I think there's he's a, he's a much more different player. He's a much more versatile player even uh, than Goza was, and I think that he would, I think he'd fit into this Bayern team very well. Um, the price tag, though, that is a big big point of contention. I don't think that. Unless he just has an incredible run of games between now and the end of the season, I don't think 100 million euros is um, should even be like the starting point of the deal. I think that's way too high for a player uh, who hasn't shown you know that he's worth that much um, this season. That being said, if he does turn into the next you know Kevin De Bruyne or Leroy Sané, um, Bayern have to bring him in. We can't risk you know losing another player like that to Liverpool or. Um, someone else simply because we didn't want to pay and then he turns out oh, now he's one of the best players in the world um, so that would be incredibly disappointing but there's you know two sides to the argument there and it's definitely hard uh, to make that decision on that topic Felipe Coutinho has been struggling a whole lot um, 
for Bayern recently. Tim, how did he look today? How did he look against Hoffenheim? You're at both of those games. Um, does he still kind of have that feeling about him that he wants to be at this club? Uh, and also, do you think Bayern have almost made the decision that his, his move won't be long-term? Yeah, I think that decision was made quite a while ago. Um, he looked quite bad against Hoffenheim. He looked better today, but still quite bad. Um, this is a guy that's just got horrendous confidence issues. Uh, like We spoke last week about how players like Goretzka and Thiago, when their confidence is high, their ability is, is high. Um, I think Coutinho is the same because, it, well, much like it's almost identical to Thiago. Like this is a guy that's he loves flair, he loves showing off, um, and so if he doesn't 100% believe in himself, that's going to be a problem. Uh, today he was actually, if, if we go in order against Hoffenheim, he was clearly so determined to do something right. But it was like he was almost trying too hard, mm-hmm. um, which is a, it's such a shame because this is a guy that left a very, very good Liverpool team as the best player in that team. And, and I think a big problem that he has is the fact that Barcelona paid too much for him. I think he's a fantastic player. He is capable of playing as an eight, as a 10, as a winger. But the fact that Barcelona paid 140 million euros for him, that's going to be a huge problem for him because he's always going to think, I need to be 140 million euros good. I can't just be like 15 million good. Like He, he will always have to perform to that price tag, which is a, an immense amount of pressure. And you can see that it's really playing a part. Um, he... His style of play is like really reminiscent of Iron Robin. He's like kind of like a really nice mixture of of Ribery and Robin, where you have like the the skill and the flair of Ribery with the propensity to cut inside and take a shot from fifty yards out, like Iron Robin did. And it just doesn't it just doesn't work that well. Um, and it's it's really sad because you can see it in his face. This is a guy that's just desperate to to get his name on the score sheet and kind of prove it not to the haters but more or less to himself yeah no i am that good um basically i i think the problem is is that somebody set his bar way too high um because he is a great player much in the same way that james rodriguez is a great player to an extent um, the, you you brought up Hamas Rodriguez, and that's exactly uh, where I was going to go with this while we still have a little bit more time, because you guys at Bavarian Tweets ran a poll the other day, um, you know, kind of asking who's been better between Coutinho and, and James Rodriguez in his two years at the club. Uh, mm. I voted James, um, and I bring that up because I think on the pitch, James was a better player for, for Bayern, the way he played for Bayern. He was a better player. I don't think Coutinho has quite reached the heights that James did especially in his first season um, under Jep Heinkes at Bayern Munich. But Hamas never had the desire and the determination to, um, I guess, kind of prove himself to himself, like you said, and then to Bayern, to uh, his former club, like Coutinho does. And I think that if you could fuse those two together, if you could take Hamas, his skill, his confidence, um, the way he played at Bayern, and fuse it with 
Coutinho's drive and determination and then takes him a his skill set, we really have this like perfect player. Uh, unfortunately, Absolutely. unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. But um, I thought that was, you know, it's not totally fair to compare the two. But when you look at it, uh, it kind of has to be said, you know, James was the better player for Bayern. Uh, and it does mm. make it a shame that he really didn't want to be at the club. Yeah, he was that constant flirting with his um, with Madrid. And then he went back and didn't really feature that much. Yeah. And that's fine as well. Yeah, and um, I think if I think if we told Coutinho, hey, we're going to do everything we can to work out a deal with Barcelona to keep you here, I think he'd be all for it. Uh, it's just a shame that obviously Barcelona aren't going to accept anything um, near what Bayern should be playing should be paying for Coutinho, giving what they had to pay to bring him in. Yeah, definitely. I think I think it is so much a confidence thing, and I think it is it's a it's a very good point you raise. Like if someone was to say to Coutinho, "Hey, look, we're going to buy you. We want to get you here. We want you here." That's going to take off so much pressure because at the moment he's playing for a club that don't want him, and he's going back to a club that don't want him. That's a terrible position to be in. That's like that's so upsetting. That's such a sad thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Like no matter what happens at the end of this season, you're going to be somewhere where you're not wanted. Of course, he's feeling bad and not playing very well. So definitely a shame. And I'd love to see. I would really love to see him step it up over the next few games. I think a big part of that is going to have to be him cutting out the. Um, yeah, you brought it up. He just he tr- he tries too hard at some points. Like he tries so hard to make something happen. Uh, individually that it just doesn't work out whereas if he would just you know play go with the flow of the game um he would be so good so best of luck to Coutinho I hope he turns things around and becomes an important player uh, for Bayern Munich soon but that is all the time that we have um for this episode if you've enjoyed listening or if you're a fan of the podcast please do us a big favor and leave us a five-star review we would greatly appreciate that if you want to get in touch with us you can follow us on twitter tweet us at superbyronpod or you can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the major podcast catchers. We're going to be there. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time.